Welcome to the weekend message from Mariner's Church in Huntington Beach, California. Whether you are listening across the street or across the globe, we hope you'll find encouragement for your daily life through this podcast. Today, it sucks to get old. That's all I can say. But I will say this, too. You know, last week, Lou had a couple sniffles, and and he missed. This week, I'm basically crippled, and I'm here. I just don't, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to make a big deal about it. But, uh... <laughs> All right, we're going to talk about worry today. I know, totally irrelevant subject. You're probably like, oh, fine, I don't have anything. And it really is the case that, depending on who you are, some of you worry more, some of you worry less. Some of you are very low on the worry meter, and you don't, you know, you're just sort of, you're sort of like when I went to Laguna Beach High School, we, there, was, there was guys that surfed, the surfer dudes, and it seemed like they didn't worry about anything. You know, their, their motto in life is whatever. And they just didn't seem like they worried. And, and if you're more like that, then this message really isn't for you. And you can just sort of chill out. Well, you probably are chilling out already. And you don't have to worry about it. And then some of you are great worriers. In fact, you might think or hope that there is a spiritual gift called worrying because you would nail that spiritual gift. People actually come to you and tell you things because they know you'll worry for them. You're so good at worrying. And you worry so much that you worry that you worry. And if that's you, then this message is for you. And most of us sort of fall in between that, and we can learn some things about worrying. So here's what I'd like you to do, though. And uh, I know that during any message, there are times where you're like, okay, I'm kind of bored. I'm checked out. Here's, I'm going to give you an assignment to do when you're checked out uh, over the next bit of time. That is, write a list of the things you worry about. Okay? Just just jot down things that you tend to worry about because we're going to come back to that at the end of the message because we're going to try to be very practical at the end. So just whatever it is, if it's financial stuff, if it's work-related stuff, family stuff, whatever it is, whatever you lose sleep over, whatever comes to your mind, whatever you're going to be thinking about, maybe right now you're thinking about it and not even listening to me, just jot it down on a list because the bottom line is if that list isn't helped by what we do here, uh, this message was kind of a waste for you. So go ahead and write that list down. Now, there's a lot of books and all those sorts of things that are written on worry, stress and worry. And uh, the reason there's so many written, well, let me just ask, why do you think there are so many books written about stress and worry? Because people stress and worry, and they sell. People want solutions to this. Now, if you think that it's just a sign of the times, or it's because the economy is faltered, or the fast pace of life, or it's an Orange County thing, uh, maybe you'll take some solace in the fact that Jesus spoke about worry. And we are going through the book of Matthew, and we're right now in the Sermon on the Mount. And in fact, the longest teaching he gives in the Sermon on the Mount is on the topic of worry. And so he probably looked out at the crowd while he was sitting there teaching, and he noticed that a lot of people had worried expressions on their face So he decided that he would insert teaching about worry, and that's what we're going to look at today is this stuff on worry. Now, some of these sayings, whether you read the Bible or not, whether you're a Christian or not, whether you're familiar with it, you're going to know some of these sayings that Jesus said about worry because self-help books have been using them for decades, Uh, these tips, basically, that come out of the Sermon on the Mount. Now, they probably don't attribute them to Jesus. Uh, They don't put a Bible address next to it. 
But the reality is a lot of the teaching that Jesus gave about worry is stuff that you hear all the time. For instance, have you ever heard this, this idea? Uh, don't worry about tomorrow because today has enough trouble of its own. That idea, what good does it do to worry about things you can't control tomorrow? Just focus today. Take one day at a time. That whole thought comes out of the Sermon on the Mount. It's basically a tip that Jesus gives. Uh, how about this one? Um, you know, why worry? Can it make your life any better or any longer? Uh, now, Jesus basically says it doesn't add anything to your life. In fact, what do we know about worry? Does worry add length to your life? No, it does what? It shortens your life. There's all kinds of studies that show it. Stress shortens your life. It's not only non-productive, it's actually harmful. Well, believe it or not, 2,000 years ago, Jesus made that point in the Sermon on the Mount. And a lot of people just take bits and pieces of Jesus' teaching on worry, and they say, well, those are helpful tips. Those are great tips. And if you want the greatest tip that Jesus gave, uh, it's right at the beginning of the section. He says this, stop worrying. Just stop it. If you worry, stop worrying. And it is surprising how many people think, well, that's basically just what Jesus said. He said, stop worrying. He said, you know, it doesn't do any good to worry about tomorrow. You can't control that. Just focus on today. Uh, it doesn't add any length to your life, no quality to your life. Just do it. And you sort of walk away and say, okay, I've got the tips of worrying from Jesus. But here's what's so unfortunate is when Jesus gave this section on worry, he put it in the context of the things that he had said before in the Sermon on the Mount. And so often when we come to this teaching, I don't know why it is, maybe because they're sort of defined topics, but so often when we come to the Sermon on the Mount, we take just the section we're interested in, if it's worry in this case, and we don't look at what Jesus said before or the context of how he set it up. And here's what happens in this case. You miss the ability to come up with a solution. If you don't look at what Jesus says before, there is no solution to worrying. All you get is some tips, tips that may help a little bit, but it is not a solution. In other words, Jesus was counting on the fact that people would tie together the things he had just said. And what's super interesting is most teachers don't even look at what he says right before. Because there's a little section before Jesus talks about worry where he talks about another topic. Anyone want to guess what that topic is? Money. Jesus talks about money right before that. Now, that's sort of interesting, and I know totally not related, because none of you worry about money, do you? No. In fact, you know that 70% of Americans that worry, worry about money. Number one thing. Number one thing. It is not a coincidence that Jesus speaks about money, and then he moves right into worry. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to land in worry, but we need to spend the first part of our time talking about what he talks about first, which is money. So if you have your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to start in verse 19. Verse 19. And for some of you, you'll be very familiar with this teaching. It is a popular teaching from Jesus, or at least well-known. Matthew 6, 19 through 21. And let's read it together. It says this, don't Store up treasures here on earth where moss eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moss and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. 
And here's what Jesus is going to do. He's going to give you a choice right out of the gate. You've got a choice. You can decide which treasures you're going to focus on. If you're going to focus on the treasures of earth or the treasures of heaven. Now, when Jesus talks about treasures, uh, just so that we're clear, a treasure is something you devote yourself to. It's something that you put the highest priority on. It's the way that we use treasures now. But if you had a treasure, it would be something that you protect, something that you would give preference to. You devote yourself to treasures. Uh, It reminds me of a story that I heard that I've heard as a true story. A guy who was an antique dealer walked into a little shop in San Francisco, an antique shop, and he was looking around, and it was kind of a junky store. There wasn't much in it. He was just about to leave, and as he left, something caught him in the corner of the eye. It was a cat on the ground, and it was drinking some milk out of a little vase. And he looked at the vase, and then he looked at it again, and because he knew his craft so well, he recognized that it was an ancient vase from the Ming Dynasty. And immediately he knew this thing was worth millions of dollars. It was extremely expensive. And here it was on the floor with a cat drinking milk out of it. So he thought to himself, he goes, the owner of this store has no idea how valuable this piece, uh, you know, this little vase is. And he starts to think, but if I tip my hand, I'm going to have to pay him all kinds of money, so I need to be kind of sneaky. So he went up to the owner and he said, hey, I really appreciate your shop, and I've been noticing your cat, and that is quite a cat. I really like that cat. And the owner says, well, it's really not much of a cat at all. It's just sort of an alley cat. And he goes, no, no, I'm fascinated by your cat. In fact, I've decided I need to have your cat. He goes, you need to have the cat. It's a family cat. He goes, I know, I know. Call me crazy. I will pay you $100. And uh, he says, well, it's it's just a normal ordinary cat. I mean, you could get it anyway. I know. I've just got to have that cat. And then he said, and, you know, I'm going to need something to feed it in, so I'll take the, ba- or the, the little bowl with it. And the guy looks at it and he goes, oh, well, I could never just give you that bowl. You probably don't know this, but that is actually a vase from the Ming Dynasty. It's worth <laughs> millions of dollars. But it's the darndest thing since I've been feeding the cat in it. All kinds of people have come in and wanted to buy my cat. Well, This is the idea of treasure, okay? This is the kind of thing where you say, I would do anything. I would devote myself to this treasure. And that's what Jesus is talking about here, treasures. Now, there's two kinds of treasures, okay? There is the earthly treasure and the heavenly treasure. And uh, I don't think that it's that hard to figure it out. In fact, let's just come up with a list together. When I say earthly treasure, what are some earthly treasures that you're aware of? What would we consider earthly? A house, money, car, stuff, any and all stuff. What else? Jewelry. Anything else? Anything bigger than just tangible stuff? Family? Sports? Sports, absolutely. What? Job? Yep, job. Status, great. Okay, good. That's a pretty good list. And I think that that's it. I think when you say those things, they are, those are earthly treasures. And so Jesus immediately gives an assessment of these earthly treasures. He says, uh, he says here's the problem with these treasures, is that uh, they are not certain. Uh, they are not secure. And he even says, he says, you have moth problems with these, with these treasures. You have rust problems. You have thievery problems. 
In other words, these things don't last. They're temporary by nature. And so if you devote your whole life to it, you might be left out in the cold because they won't last. They're, they're sort of, and they won't really fulfill the promises that they say. They tell you that they'll fill your life and make everything good and right, and if you can just get them, you'll be set. And the reality is that's not the way these things work because they're very temporary. And you're never sure that you can hold on to them. Just when you think you've grasped them, they disappear. And so Jesus basically says this. Here's the problem with these treasures. They're not big enough for a life. They're not worth your one and only life to get these treasures because you can't count on them. You can't count on these things. And then he says, uh, but there, are, there is another sort of treasures, okay? And those are called heavenly treasures, treasures of heaven. And I think here, too, we can probably come up with some things. What would you consider heavenly treasures, treasures of heaven? Be bold. You can only be wrong. Serving, okay, good. Salvation, crown, okay. So um, rewards of heaven, because the Bible talks about rewards of heaven. What other things would you think? Peace, good. Obedience. There are certain character qualities. You guys are sort of going around, so kindness, love, peace, joy. Fruits of the Spirit, the Beatitudes, remember we talked about those. Those are all character qualities. Those would probably be considered heavenly treasures. Relationship with God, salvation, those sorts of things. Serving, some of you said that. The idea of ministry. There are several things, and here's what Jesus says about these. These can't be touched. You know, moths don't get at them. Rust doesn't wear them out. Thieves can't steal them. They're totally secure. They're things that you can count on. And here's what Jesus would say. They're big enough for a life. They're worth your life because you can count on them. In the end, you can count on them. Now, let me just say this. It isn't that earthly treasures have no value. That's not the point. I'd lose you all because you'd say, well, Kevin's not being serious here because if he's basically telling me I shouldn't worry about my job and I shouldn't, or I shouldn't be concerned or, or put any effort into my job, my family, my money, my house, well, you lost me because I do. And that's not what Jesus is saying here. He's not saying that they have no value. All he's saying is if you're going to have a treasure that you put and you totally devote your life to, make sure you choose the right treasure. Now, you may still put effort in the other treasure, but just make sure that the treasure part of it, what you devote yourself to, is the one that's the most important, is the one that is worth your life. That's basically what he's going to say here. Now, look what happens when you devote yourself to one or the other, when you choose one of these treasures. In Matthew 6, 21, then, it says this, uh, wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. In other words, whatever you value, your whole life will follow. You will revolve your life around what you consider treasures. And so you watch people that say, well, the treasures of earth are most important. And sure enough, if you followed them around for a day or a week, you would say, well, sure enough, their whole life is revolved around making sure that these things are coming their way, that they're securing these as well as they can, that they're pursuing them. And it would be true, too, that if you were around somebody that said, no, the treasures of heaven are most important to me, if you followed them around for just a little bit of time, you would say, absolutely. That is how they live their life, because our heart, the core of who we are, follows our treasures. So Jesus is making sort of this observation about it. First decision, what is my treasure going to be? 
Then Jesus moves on right away to a second decision, a second choice. In Matthew 6, 22, he continues on, and he says these words. He says, your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. So now Jesus goes from treasures, and he's going to talk about eyes. And he says, you have two sorts of eyes. And of course, he's speaking metaphorically here. He's saying, there are the good eyes that you can look through life with, the good perspective, or there's the bad perspective, the eyes you look through that cloud your judgment. And what's super interesting about this is that the translation we have here is not probably as accurate as it could be. Uh, the word really that we translate, the eye is good, the better translation is the eye that is generous. The eye that is generous. And the eye that is bad is not just bad. It is the eye that is stingy or the eye that is selfish. So here what Jesus is saying is he's saying, listen, you can look at your life in one of two ways. You can look at it as I want to be a giver. I want to be generous. I'm going to look for opportunities to help people out. That's the way that I see things. Or you can have eyes that say, I need to get. Everything is there for the taking. It's for my benefit. I am going to pull things toward me. It's all about me. And Jesus is, again, making sort of this really black and white choice. You choose. Are you going to be a generous-focused person, or are you going to be a stingy-focused person? And the thing that sort of the interesting note he says is he says, you know what's interesting about stingy people? They don't even know they're stingy. They, they deceive themselves. Their eyes are darkened. They don't even know how dark the darkness is in them. Have you ever been around somebody that's sort of like that, where it seems like everything is about them, everything is for their benefit, everything needs to flow in this direction? And if you were to ask them about it, they'd say, I don't see it. I don't see it. Because it's an interesting thing. It's very difficult for us to see greed in ourselves. We blind ourselves. We blind ourselves. And Jesus warns us. And he says, listen, here's the deal. Unless you're pursuing generosity, unless you pursue the good eyes, you will naturally fall to the bad eyes, to the stingy eye. That's the natural way you'll go. So if you can't say that you're generous, by default, you're probably stingy. And Jesus here says, there's a choice. There's a choice. Now, here's the thing. You're all sitting here because we all think we're generous, right? I mean, I do. I think that. All right. So I'm not ripping on you any more than I'm ripping on me. We all think that. How many, well, I won't even ask a raise question because I don't want the noose to get tight. Right, I'm playing. I'm playing. Ooh, I got wiped out. All right. So uh, I have Quicken, online banking. And there's a really cool thing about Quicken. You can press a button or two, and all of a sudden you can see everything you spend money on. Have you ever done that? You might be surprised at just how generous you are. At least you'll know. I mean, that's the thing. If you do, and now some of you are saying, I don't, I'm not going to do online banking. I don't want that experience. But the reality is, you know what? We either live a generous life, and that would be evident by how we spend our money, how we spend our time, we live a stingy life, and we pull things toward us. 
And here Jesus is saying, that's a basic choice you have to make. And you're saying, what does this have to do with worry? Hold on, we'll get to that. Jesus moves then to a third decision. And the third decision uh, is stated in verse 24. It says, no one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And uh, some of you know the word. What's the real word? The, the Hebrew word for money is mammon. Okay, So mammon is a little larger than money. It's actually all possessions. It's really, it, it really sort of lines up with the treasures of earth, the sort of the things that you would pursue that are material in nature. They're temporary in nature. The God of mammon. And here he's saying, basically, here's your third decision. Who are you going to serve? Who's going to be your master? And Jesus has done really an interesting thing here. He has started <clears throat> with treasures in heaven. And all of us say, well, sometimes I pursue treasures in heaven. Sometimes I pursue treasures on earth. Then he talks about eyes. You can be generous or stingy. Well, sometimes I'm generous. Sometimes I'm stingy. But now all of a sudden he's going to say, listen, actually these choices aren't like you can play in both fields at the same time. The choices actually exclude each other. So here's what he's basically saying. He says, now, you line up one set of choices. So you can go with treasures of earth. Treasures of earth mean what kind of eye? The, what's the stingy eye, the bad eye, right? And the God you serve is money or mammon. They all line up. They all go right in line. Or you can go with the treasures of heaven, and you will have the eye the good eye, the generous eye, and you will serve God. All right? Does that make sense? So he's lining them up. Now he's going to make a really staggering statement, one that makes us all feel super uncomfortable. If I was Jesus, I wouldn't have said this because it makes me feel uncomfortable, but he did, so take it up with him. He basically says these words. He says, nobody can serve two masters. And uh, there's two ways that we use can in the English language, right? And maybe you, do you remember this from elementary school when you went to your teacher and you said, hey, uh, you know, Miss Smith, can I go to the bathroom? And she'd say, can or may? Can, like, are you able to go to the bathroom? Like, is it physically possible for you to go to the bathroom? Or are you may, are you asking permission? And by that point, you were just saying, can, may, makes no difference. If you don't say yes, there's going to be a puddle on your classroom floor. Jesus is using can as in the able. He's basically saying it is impossible to serve two masters. You will either serve one, be devoted to one, and despise the other, or you will serve that one and despise the first. You can't do both at the same time. It is not possible to do both. And in fact, when he says serve, the word really there is slave. You can't be a slave to two masters. And he's pointing back to a time in the ancient world where you were owned by one slave or, or one master or the other. You couldn't be owned by two at the same time. You were owned by one, and you would have to serve that one exclusively. And Jesus is making this point. He says, you play this game of going back and forth, of saying, well, sometimes I pursue these treasures, sometimes I pursue these treasures. Sometimes my eyes look this way, sometimes my eyes look this way. Sometimes I serve God, sometimes I serve mammon. And Jesus is saying, that's got to stop. That's got to stop. You need to make a choice now. Ultimately, it comes down to who do you serve? Who do you follow? Are you following God 
Or are you following and giving your life for the stuff of this world? And Jesus will say at this point, you cannot do both. You are kidding yourself if you think you're playing both. So the person who says, well, on Sunday, I serve God. I pursue the treasures of heaven. I have a generous heart. But Monday through Friday, I serve the God of money. I pursue treasures on earth. I tend to be a little more stingy about my life. And Jesus would say, you cannot do that. You need to make a choice. You need to go one way or another. There needs to be really a focus in your decision-making. That is the point that Jesus is making. Now, again, you're saying, why are we talking about this? I thought this was a message on worry. What is the indicator that tells you which master you're serving? It is worry is the way you know what you've decided to do. Worry indicates who you're devoted to. So if if we were going to call it sort of a worry quotient or a worry indicator, or if there was, in, you know, in your mind's eye, sort of a dashboard of your life and there is the worry light, when that light goes on, it is indicating that you are devoting yourself to what? To earthly treasures. To being a stingy person. To following the God of mammon. Those are indications. Because, and here's the reason, remember what did we say about earthly treasures? Secure or insecure? It's insecure. You can't count on it. So you worry. I can't count on it. What if the raise does not come through? We've already spent that money. What if I lose my job? What if my health goes downhill? What if I get crippled in my other knee? Right now, Julie and I are trying to sell a house in Columbia, South Carolina. It is a beautiful house. If any of you want to buy it, we are willing to listen. Uh, I mean, it is, and we're trying, you know, you look at the prices, and it's like $200,000 for this four-bedroom, 2,500-square-foot, beautiful house in a great neighborhood. Why can't we sell this house? And we're paying two payments. You know, every month we're paying two payments. And it's like, ah, it is so tempting to worry about it, right? It is so tempting because it's an earthly treasure. It's not to say it's bad. It's not to say that we shouldn't care about our house. It's not to say that we shouldn't do everything we can to sell our house, which we're trying to do. It is none of that. It's just saying, if I am devoted to my house, if my whole life wraps around getting this house sold, I will worry because there's nothing certain. Jesus says this, Matthew 6.25, makes this transition. He says, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? And the term, that is why, that's a New Living Translation, which you're all going to be glad. We're going to get out of the New Living Translation for about two months um, and start using a new translation. The NIV has been updated, so that is a very cool thing. By the way, if you're buying Bibles right now, sort of thinking, I need to get a Bible, hold on, because this new NIV version is coming out. And it's a really great version. It's a little more precise. 
Because that is why, really, the term there is therefore. In other words, Jesus is making a connector between everything that he said about money and what he's going to say about worry. He says, because how you handle your money will either create stress and anxiety and worry in your life, or it won't. Those two things are connected here. The devotion you have indicates, what you're devoted to indicates how much you worry about it. That's the bottom line. If you are devoted to earthly treasures, you will certainly worry because they're uncertain. They're insecure. You can't count on it. Now, in Jesus' day, the things that people were most worried about were food and clothing, very basic. It was a very poor society, hand to mouth. And so they are very concerned about that. We generally are not concerned about those things. So you say, well, I must be a spiritual giant because I rarely worry about food or clothing. All that means is you've got it. You don't worry about it because you're pretty secure in that. You don't usually think, oh, my gosh, I might not be able to eat lunch today. You may not be able to eat the lunch you want, but you're not going to starve about that. You're not maybe wearing the clothes you love to wear, but you're wearing something because we're all grateful for that. So here's the point is that you need to contextualize this for you. So do you worry about your retirement? Uh, most retirements are bouncing back now, but if, if I had said this a year ago, a lot of people were worrying about their retirement because it was basically cut in half. Uh, do you worry about your kids going to the right school? Do you worry about being able to keep your job or make progress in your job to be able to move in the job that you want to go? Do you worry about things surrounding your family and what's going on with your family or friendships that you have, things like that? Do you worry a lot about those things? Uh, those are the things that Jesus would say to us in Orange County. Are you worried about your status, your next step? Are you going to be able to get the house in the neighborhood that you want to get? Those are things that we tend to worry about in our, those are the things that keep us up at night. And Jesus would say, well, then that's what I want you to focus on. Are you guys writing your list? You should be having your list by now, your list of the things you worry about. These are the things Jesus is talking about. And so he makes this point. He makes this first point. He says, isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? In other words, what he's saying is the things that you worry about, you tend to hyper-focus on. So selling our house becomes everything. Oh, my gosh, we've got to sell this house. Nothing else matters. And Jesus would say, now, Kevin, wouldn't you say that your life is more than selling your house? I mean, just... You wouldn't just put an equal sign be between Kevin's life equals selling his house. Well, if you put it that way, no. It, it's not exactly the same. I mean, I would hope my life was more than selling the house. And he said, well, you see what worry's done? It's made you totally focus on that, like your whole life is about selling your house. And it's not. It's not really. He then points, he sort of goes, he jumps, he says, look at the birds. Now, it seems like Jesus, ADD here. What are you talking about? We're talking about money. Now we're talking about worry. And all of a sudden, you stop in the middle and you say, look at the birds. There was probably birds flying around. He was outside. Look at the birds. People are like, why are we talking about birds? We're talking about the things we're worried about. We're talking about food and clothing and treasures and all sorts of things. And what Jesus is doing is he's trying to peel people back. He's saying, listen, you've got to see this from a different vantage point. Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns. For your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And you look at the birds and you say, now, yeah, but 
Birds don't have things to worry about. I mean, they don't have 401ks. And they don't have to worry about a college education. And you don't see the birds, you know, sort of holding their little kids' hands and so forth. In fact, what they do is they build their nest as high as they can, and then when it's time, they just push their kids right out of the nest, down onto the ground. You know, they don't worry about these things. And Jesus would further go on to say, it's like they don't even try. They just, at some point, they're like, hey, it's getting kind of cold around here. I think we need to fly south. Fly south. I don't know. I just feel compelled. We should fly south. Or they're flying around. They see a little string on the ground. They're like, I feel compelled to go pick up that string and put it up into a tree and start a nest. Didn't you build a nest last year? I did. I did. But I just feel compelled to do it again. And there's sort of this idea of the birds aren't even thinking things through. They're certainly not worrying about it. They're just sort of going about their business. They're taking care of their stuff. And the point Jesus is making, and God the Father is sort of paying attention, and he's making sure things work out for them. And he's basically saying, now, aren't you more responsible? And don't you think God cares a little bit more for you than he does for me? I mean, after all, he said that you're the crown of his glory. When God decided to come to earth in the form of somebody on the earth, he did not pick a bird. He came as a human being. Jesus didn't die on the cross for birds. He died on the cross for human beings. Don't you think Don't you think he's paying attention to you? He even pays attention to you. And then he moves on and he talks about clothing. And he says, look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing. Uh, yet Solomon, king, big king in the Old Testament, had lots of great clothes. In all of his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown to the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? And he even picks something more passive. I mean, at least birds do something. Flowers do nothing. They just sit there and grow. And at the right time, they bloom. And the point here is, not even everything that human beings can put together is as nice as what they put together because God's on the job. Because God's paying attention. And really what it comes down to it is Jesus is going to say, listen, as you decide your treasure, as you decide the eye that you're going to have, as you're going to decide your master, eventually it comes down to a final decision, which is who do you trust? Who do you really trust? And you know what? Here are the alternatives, okay? Because you're going to think, okay, well, I trust riches. I trust. That's not what you trust. It isn't between God and the riches of this world, not really. You know what it's between? It's between God and your ability. That's what, you're, that's what you're tipping off. Am I going to trust that God's going to take care of it and I don't need to worry? Or am I going to say, no, God can't take care of it. It's up to me to worry. Do you know that only 8% of the things we worry about come from God? 8%. And you worriers are saying, see, worry pays off. 92%. When I worry, it doesn't come true. But here's the truth. 8% of the things come true even if you don't worry. Your worry has nothing to do with what comes true. In fact, it shortens your life. In fact, it works against you. It makes your life miserable. And Jesus is saying, you've got a choice here. 
He says, you have little faith, because really it's a devotion issue. Who are you devoted to? You're devoted to God. You're devoted to your worry, to the things that you're trying to hold on to in this world. And he says, listen, you're playing a fool's game. Worry will never satisfy you. It will never even bring you the things you think you want. But it does indicate that you have little faith. And you've got a choice. You will either trust God, trust your Heavenly Father, who will take care of it, or you will trust your ability to worry, that that's going to somehow land you the earthly treasures you want. So what's the solution? What is the solution that Jesus gives? In Matthew 6.33, and this too, some of you have heard. In fact, maybe you heard it as a song. That's where I first heard it. Uh, says this. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. Uh, I heard it in a different version. But basically what it's saying here is you've got a basic choice. What are you going to pursue? Seek here does not mean search for because it's already been provided. It's what are you going to step into? What are you going to grab onto? And you've got this choice. You've got the kingdom of God. And just so that we're clear, kingdom of God, in context of what we're talking about, the kingdom of God is uh, heavenly treasures, generous eye, serving God, and trusting God. That is the kingdom of God. Decide what you're going to seek. Decide what you're going to pursue. Are you going to pursue that path? You're going to pursue the path of earthly treasures, stingy eye, God of mammon, trusting in worry. You've got a choice. Make your choice on that. But if you seek first the kingdom of God and the way that he wants you to live, living righteously, the way that he wants you to step into it, here is the amazing thing. And again, our translation here is a little faulty because it just sounds like you will get everything you need. The way that it says is you will get all these things also. That's literally what it says. And these things he's talking about are these things that you need that you worry about. God will make sure that you get them. Now, these are not necessarily the things, all the things you want. God has made no commitment to give you everything you want. But here he makes a commitment to give you everything you need. All these earthly things you need, he will commit to them. Also, because on top of that, you get all the heavenly treasures. You get everything that he wants to give you in this. You get both. It's a both and. It's a great deal. You get everything that he wants to give you in the first place from the kingdom of God. Plus, he makes sure that the earthly things you need will be given to you and will be taken care of. And this is the decision that you make. It is the decision that we all face when we become Christians. Here's what I'd like you to do. Um, it would be very easy right now to go through an exercise, but I'd rather have you do it sometime this week. And here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to decide for five minutes, 30 minutes, whatever you have time to do, that this list that you've been putting together, the things that you worry about, your worry list, and all of us have a worry list probably, uh, I'd like you to do this with your worry list. I'd like you to look through your worry list and decide how much of this has to do with me being too devoted to the things on this list. I want you to ask yourself that question. Are you too devoted to these things? Are they too central to your life? Not are they important. They're important or they wouldn't be on your list. It's okay if they're important. Not whether you care about them. You care about them because they're on your list. And that's okay. 
But as you look at it, would you say, you know, I'm probably a little too devoted. I've almost equated this particular thing with my whole life is just Because that's a good thing to be aware of. And think about your treasures in heaven and how pursuing treasures in heaven, your character, your relationship with God, serving other people, having character qualities like generosity, how would that impact my list of goals if I pursued those things instead? If I made that what I was devoted to? And then go through them and just this list of things you're worried about, give them to God and say, I'm going to start here. You know how important that is. You know that I think that I need these things. But I'm going to trust you because you care for the birds. And I know you care for me more. You care about the scrap of steel for Willie. And I know you care for me. I can totally trust you with these things. I know that you'll do that. You promised that if I pursued your kingdom, that you'd take care of these things, plus giving me everything And I don't care where you live or what situation you are in. God takes care of you. Years ago, I went down to Cotty, Mexico. The Mariners used to be connected with an orphanage down there. I don't know if it's still. I think Cotty's still there. Got Anyway, Tecate, Mexico, a little orphanage. We would go down there. And we were walking through the orphanage. First time I'd been in any setting like this. And it was poor. I mean, concrete buildings and so forth. But uh, they were telling us the kids that make it here are really lucky, very fortunate, uh, much better than where they would live. And as we walked through, eventually we got to the back. And there were two rooms on the back of the building. And they were concrete rooms. And we walked into one of them. And it was there was a window up high. There was no light in it. Uh, there was nothing in it except a hole in the floor. And I said, so what is this room? And uh, the person walking around said, well, this is the power room. This is the power room? This is creepy. I mean, it was creepy and funny and janky. And I was like, oh, I would not. I'd go dirty before I'd shower in there. So anyway, near the end of the day, I went out in the back, and I was just sitting down on the porch in the back. And this little probably six- or seven-year-old girl came walking out, she had a bucket of water, and she walked into the girls' shower room. And I heard her put the bucket down, and the door was closed. And I was just sitting there, and I was thinking, God, this boy taking a shower, taking a sponge bath in that room. And I was like, God. And uh, after a minute, I heard her start singing. And she started singing this song.
We want to close with some worship, and I think we're going to have a hymn up and sing that song. Okay, we'll sing it. Uh, we'll bring you guys up. Let's just sing it. If you know that song, hey, and if you are if you know the women's part, which I don't know, but just go ahead and do that. There's a little echo part. Do you know that, the women's part? Anybody heard? Nobody's going to raise their hand because they're like, I'm not singing that part. But do you know that part, the women's part? All right, let's start with that, and then we're going to move. Well, I can start. All right. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things shall be added unto you. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Mariner's Church in Huntington Beach. For more information about Mariner's, visit www.marinerschurch.org.